Push the button. Push the button, Scruggs. Here we go. It's really for real now. We're starting this. Welcome to the Education, Career, and Beyond podcast. We've combined life experience with young adult drive and ambition. Are you just starting to college plan? Did you finish your education and wonder, now what? Join us in this lively discussion about the topics you need to know to create the next stage of your life's dreams, careers, finances, education, and more. Brought to you by Voice for Heroes 501c3. A little rougher start for us today. I know when to fire myself. <laughs> Actually, no, today's topic is leadership and being a good leader is admitting when you make mistakes and knowing how to correct. So my leadership skill today is saying, yes, I made a mistake, didn't click the button, but here we are as always, the Education Career and Beyond podcast. So great to have all of you with us again. And as I just mentioned, today's topic is leadership with our incredible guest, Dr. Kevin Guzara. Now, he has been everything from a rock and jazz drummer, which I can't wait to speak to you about, the musician in the studies of that one. He has been a video producer. He's been in the corporate world and then spent the last like 10, 15 years as an entrepreneur as well, really now understanding the full scope of leadership, which I think is perfect for all of our young adult audience here because that's such a key component in life. And so we're going to have a powerful discussion. As always, we have Capri with us at Purdue University and we miss Ed. He is still out this week, but we've got this. Thank you so much for being with us. Hello, Dr. Kevin. Thanks for having me on the show, Amy and Capri. Glad to be here. Ah, nothing like a little slow start there to get this kicked off with, but your your background, I'm really excited because we're going to talk about the things that you've done. And we also have a couple books we're going to reference. And I know you have a really, really wonderful gift for us today as well, but you have an incredible background. I identify with that because I joke about how I have like all these careers that meld into one and have made me who I am. And I can see that you have that same component and joy. You could, as you can see, if you're watching this, you can see he is still a happy person. So let's dive into your background and share with us a little bit what led you to us today. Yeah, definitely a happy person because uh, I believe that um, anything is possible. You know, uh, I think it started from my parents. You know, I was born and raised in Levittown, Pennsylvania. You know, very cookie cutter uh, environment. Uh, you know, had the, uh, the standard leave it to beaver for those probably people don't even know what the hell that is. I do. Um, <laughs> I know what it's, that is. It's, it's, the, it's the standard, you know, uh, mom and dad, mom stayed home. Dad went to work with the government every every morning in a carpool. Had the the two kids and the dog in the station wagon, and uh, you know everybody got along together. And uh, it was it was a really great uh, kind of life starting out. And one of the things you know that I that my parents always told me was, um, which I didn't realize that every parent didn't tell their kids this until later on in my life was that anything that anyone else can do, so can you. And, th and that was their belief. You know, you may not be able to do it like Michael Jordan, uh, but you can, you can try it and you, you can do it. There's no reason you can't do it. So that's something I always believed, which uh, I think helped set, set my life up and my, my life for my, my sister. So born and raised in, in Pennsylvania, uh, had lots of, I spent 30 years in the corporate world did my undergraduate work in a dual degree in engineering and business, did my MBA, and then it went off when I was 43, 44, and did my doctorate in organizational leadership because uh, I spent 18 years at Intel. And when I was at Intel managing, you know, I found the value of uh, if you can be a great manager and a great leader, what you can accomplish more so than just 
you know, just becoming better, your better yourself. So, so I kind of took that up as a, as my life passion and I've spent like the last 25 plus years, uh, trying to, to do that. And then I've been a professor at six different universities as well, teaching leadership at the undergrad, grad and, and the doctoral level. And it's, uh, so it's been a, a, it hasn't been a straight line, uh, uh, career, uh, but it's, I think the thing that I found and I, what I would say to the, the people, to the audience listening is find the things that you love. You know, uh, I went at early age, uh, at the age of 12, 13, I found out that my love was playing drums, right? So I, you know, born and raised in Led Zeppelin and, you know, nice. Beatles and everything like that. And, and I found I loved doing that. And, you know, having the idea of being a famous rock drummer or, whatever was kind of always in my mind. And fortunately I had great mentors and coaches along the way, you know, both from friends and neighbors. And, you know, my dad of course was, was my, uh, my, my real mentor. Uh, and he, he basically said, you know, find things that you love to do. It doesn't have to be one thing, you know? And when I looked at kind of becoming a professional musician, I studied all through high school and I had to make a decision and, in and, um, junior year of was it junior senior senior year high school had to make a decision do you go into engineering school or do i go to music school and two very different choices and i was studying with a guy by the name of paul patterson and paul is this amazing drummer in philadelphia he used to take the train you know 40 miles into the city every saturday morning to study with this great guy i studied with paul and he wasn't only a teacher but he was a mentor and i went in the morning of halloween to for my normal lesson and uh, it was at Music, Music City Studio in Center City, Philadelphia. And his wife called the studio and said, hey, Paul won't be in today. He had a heart attack and died this morning. Oh. So uh, Paul was 52. Um, and I took the train home and uh, got home and filled out my engineering applications. What, oh, I, what, I what I realized was, you know, was that I wanted a life that I had some control over and I could see Paul's life. He had a great life. I mean, he was, he was famous. Everyone knew him, but he would, he would work from 10 to two in the morning, sleep four hours, get up and teach from, from 10 to six. He'd grab a sandwich, go off to his next gig. And I, and I just saw this and I realized, um, you have to make decisions around what you want to do with your life. Um, so I wanted a family, I wanted kids, you know, I wanted, you know, a house, I wanted the flexibility to, to not be constrained about m money. And what I recognized was, um, I also had a passion for technology. I'm a nerd for sure. Um, so I used to do all kinds of crazy stuff like taking uh, cars apart and, uh, radios and TVs and everything. I put them back together and my parents encouraged it, right? Most of the time there were always lots of extra parts left over. But I was always inquisitive about that. So what I realized is, hey, I can make a, probably make a good salary, something I'm interested in, maybe not on the same level as, as being a famous rock drummer, um, but I can still play. I can still do the stuff that I love to do on, on the weekends. And that's what I worked myself through, through college, was I would stay at college and then come home on the weekends and play with an with a after-hours club band to make enough money to pay for college and, and did that for five years. And it was great, you know, so... So I think one of the messages I would tell anyone listening, any of the students is, is uh, if you have something you really love, 
you want to be realistic about it to say, is, is this something that will support the types of things that I want to do in the future? And then if it's, if not, you want to get creative, the best way is, is to find someone uh, that you admire that's kind of created that kind of life for you. And then just go ask them, um, say, can you mentor me? Can you coach me? I've got questions for you. How did you get here? Uh, and, and tap into that. And that's kind of my kind of underlying message here. And, you know, life has been fantastic. It hasn't been, you know, a straight linear line, you know, that, that most of us hope for. Uh, but it certainly has been uh, one that I can apply all my different talents and interests together. I love that, Dr. Kevin, because I don't think anyone I've met has a straight linear line. Honestly, everybody has that story where at the last minute a fork in the road or it went this way or that way. And, you know, we 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 set those goals and intentions. But a lot of times life opens up new possibilities or opportunities. And sometimes what is a mis- what we think is a mistake or a failure is actually the creation of that new opportunity. And you've definitely given such an example about really identifying what you needed and where you were supposed to be. I know Capri probably has a lot of questions and she did her homework on, on this interview as well. So I'm going to let her kick it off and I'm going to stop now. <laughs> well, I don't want to take it too far away from drumming just quite yet, because you said that you did um, have, or yeah, that you were drum, you do still drum and like playing a band. I, I do. I don't, I don't have a band at the moment, Like I do have an electronic set here. Uh, and mm-hmm. I get the play there uh, on on the set, and I'm just. Are you hearing the gardeners have to arrive? It's okay. Can, can you hear them? It. Yes, it's okay. Can give. Can you give? I'm gonna just take ten seconds take and it, shut them. Take it, take it, take it. <laughs> oh, Capri, I love it. We didn't realize that he was. Um, he worked for so many universities as well. That is. Oh my that's goodness! Really yeah, awesome. I Definitely. can't wait to ask him about some of those experiences. Um, that was a fun surprise with that. Leadership yeah. is all about going with the flow and yes. adjusting to things that are unexpected. <laughs> yeah. So. Yes. Oh, I do have a question about that because you have done so much work with leadership. I was just blown away when I was reading through like your resume and everything that you've been a part of. And a big thing that you've kind of touched on a little bit was how you've changed careers um, mm. multiple times. How has that made you a better leader? Well, I think it's given me uh, a breadth of, uh, of different, you know, things that, uh, that I can tap into. And one of my beliefs is that everything is connected. You know, a lot of people think, mm-hmm. you know, you have your personal life, you have your professional life, you have your, your family life, you have your interests, and all of those are separate and they should work in little tiny silos. And kind of what I found is, is that if you can try to connect all of them together uh, and look for that commonality, that you can be successful. So, so let me start. Let's go back to the the drumming, right? So, so I've always loved music. I've always loved to play music, um, particularly in jazz, uh, as well as um, as rock music. Um, and I got involved heavily in, into computers um, back in the early '80s, before anybody else did. So I had music going on, I had computers going on, and then I had the opportunity when I was working for a company called D Laval. Um, to do some promotional videos for them. So also I'm a relatively creative guy, so I learned about video. And then when Intel bought the video technology from RCA Labs in 1988, what they were able to, they were looking for someone that had 
music, music knowledge, uh, video knowledge, had an MBA, an engineering background, uh, knew how to, to produce, produce videos. Um, it was, it was my, it was my job. And back then you had to, you had to find these, um, positions through the newspaper. Uh, they used to post them in the back of the newspaper for people that don't know that. And <laughs> when I saw, when I saw the ad, I remember opening up Sunday night, saw the ad and it was written for me and I knew they were going to get a thousand people to apply for this because a small division and it was about 30 miles from my home in Princeton, New Jersey. Um, I booked a flight out to San Francisco and I showed up there when I landed in San Francisco airport, I called Intel and I said, you have an ad, uh, that is that you want to interview me for, cause I am the person for that position. And I said, if you don't interview me, view me, I'm going to come and sit in your lobby. Um, and, uh, they thought I was a little bit crazy. Uh, but the good, th the good news was the recruiter, uh, said, okay, you're on four o'clock tomorrow afternoon, be in the lobby. And he interviewed me worst interview of my entire life because he had only hired chip designers and they were looking for a product manager, which I had done for 10 years. And, uh, he kept saying, well, you haven't done chip design. I said, well, I did chip design in school and I understand this. And he said, well, you haven't designed chips. So fortunately he picked up the phone He called the, the general manager back in Princeton uh, and said, Hey, there's a guy that lives there, but he flew out here. I didn't pay for him. You know, he just showed up unannounced and I interviewed him. He doesn't have any chip design. He has, here's all the other experience. He says, do you want to, do you want to interview him? And the general manager said, well, of course he's got everything that we want. So send him some more away. So ultimately I went back uh, about a week and a half later, the, the general manager called and said, Hey, we want to bring you in for an interview. Uh, took about two months and ultimately I think Intel just hired me so that I would go away and stop bothering them. Um, and ultimately I got that, I got the, I got the position working for Intel and I spent 18 years there, uh, different management leadership positions. But, uh, I found my real passion in 1993 when I went to Intel's management leadership development program, which is called managing through people. And, and I saw what happens if you spend a, a high intensity immersion week of really learning the best management leadership tools that you could get that, that that's what I wanted to be. Right. So, so I moved from kind of that linear piece of, you know, where you get to be the, uh, the manager to the senior manager, to the VP, to the senior VP, to the president. And I removed that and said, Hey, I need to change my trajectory and I want to get into developing leaders and let them go in and, and me create this, this leverage. So, so that's the, that's the way it happened. Uh, and fortunately it's worked out. Wow. You know, you, you touched on the fact that you've worked at universities, which I love. And with your leadership and working with young adults, especially the college age student, where has, have you noticed their mindset is and pertains to leadership? What are some of those maybe misconceptions about leadership you're seeing in this time today and where you've helped them really see it in its full scope? Yeah, I mean, leader, leadership, you know, we use what we would call a servant leader kind of model, right? Where we are there to help others that you get, you get you really, I mean, true leadership is where you're uh, leading through people, right? That, that you're developing others, you know, the best leaders develop more leaders, you know, and there's a lot of misconceptions about leadership. Um, uh, you know, they think of the kind of the command and control. Um, and, and that's really not leadership, right? Leadership is is one, you know where you're going and two, you're able to persuade others to come with you. 
And you can look at some people that, that have been able to do that. The real question is, is if that particular individual goes away, you know, do you still continue? And the answer quite often with many of the authoritarian types of, of leaders, um, that they can't, they don't, that doesn't happen. Right. And that's really more of extreme management than, than leadership. So, so if I always felt like if I could develop my staff, you know, when I, when I, when I got a new staff member, whether it was internal or external, I, I, I had two things that they, they got from me the very first time that they, they met me when they showed up at the office. I said, there's two things you need to remember. The first thing is I don't want you working for me 18 months from now. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I want you to be thinking about what's next. And that starts today. Wow. And the second thing is you need to be thinking at my, at the next level up, right? So that you're acting, uh, uh, as if you were in that position. So when you get the opportunity, it'll be no big deal to transition. So you need to take that leadership mindset, even if you're an individual contributor. And if you can do that, and I'm not, I'm not saying usurp any of the, the power of, of the manager or leader, I'm saying is you need to begin thinking at the next level on, on day one. And if you can do that, uh, then there'll be great opportunities. Right. I don't know if that answers your question yes, or absolutely. not. Absolutely. Capri? Okay. So you just talked a little bit about like how, when you first talk to or when you first hire new people, what is one trait that you look for when you're hiring your adults? Because that is such a big part of like I don't know, coming of age, you know, entering the workforce mm-hmm. after school and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so we've actually done research on this and, you know, my organization, you know, I left the corporate world 16 years ago to start Magna Leadership Solutions, you know, and we go help small to medium sized organizations on a regular basis. And we've actually done some research with lots and lots of clients. I think the last research we did, we surveyed a little bit over a thousand people. Um, and there's this common theme, and it's not only our research, there's lots of research, Gallup and um, Forbes, uh, Fortune also do similar kind of research types of things, but at a much larger scale. And there's this commonality of what organizations are looking for. It's, it's just really, really simple. Um, and these are in no particular order. They're all relatively close. The first thing is, is they want to know that you play nice with the team, that you can integrate with the team, that you can communicate that you can listen, that you can integrate, you can adopt the, the company's culture, right? That, that, you know, most people don't get fired because of their incompetence. Most people get fired because they, they can't integrate and they can't work with others. Right. So, right. so if, if that's a strength of yours, congratulations. If it's not a strength of yours, you need to get it to at least to a baseline where you're able to do that. And the good news is there's a lot, particularly now with the internet, there's lots and lots of, courses that you can take or, uh, you know, people that you that can help mentor you. So that's the first thing is, is to work well um, with the team. Uh, as part of that is you have to be a great communicator. You have to be able to listen and communicate very clearly back and back and forth. Um, and then I think the, the last thing that, that you need is, is that you need to have this growth mindset um, that you, you have to have the ability to think bigger than what you currently are and strive uh, towards that. Um, there, there's, there's another one actually that uh, was part of the research I just remembered was, is they want you, uh, the companies have told us, organizations have told us is that we're really looking for people that are really good critical thinkers and problem solvers. 
-hmm. I think too many students come out of the university system. And I've taught in six different universities. So I know that this is not a strength unless you add it yourself as a professor is they want you to be good, <coughs> excuse me, critical thinkers and problem solvers. Um, and too often the, the, uh, the education systems today uh, give you kind of laundry lists, you know, you, you go down these 10 steps and voila, the problem solved falls out. And what they, what they really should be teaching you is thinking out of the box mm -hmm. in, in an environment where there isn't a rote list or, or methodology right. um, so, so that you can struggle a little bit. And, and if you get really good at that critical thinking and problem solving, um, uh, you'll be incredibly valuable and pretty much probably employed for life. It's so true. <laughs> it's, it's, good so to know. true. it's really, 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 really so true. Thank you so much for this incredible wisdom that you're putting, because I think that as you're right, we're, these kids are so bombarded with so many things, especially when they're in the process of trying to get into college, even just the process, the senior year of, of the apps and the acceptance and everything else. Now getting into college, which now Capri in her second year is through that first one that was really a lot to learn. And now in the groove of the learning and the learning and what's your future. But these skills that you're talking about, as far as that critical thinking, problem solving, active listening, communication skills, putting those in with that education is so critical. Do you see that as a society, we're helping our young adults with these communication skills? How much um, of that is still relevant today in the way they're being taught? Yeah, I think it's all relevant. Um, I think we're getting slightly better at it. I don't think we've reached the point where we're great at it. And, and I think that's something that has to be has to be stressed right now. If you go into you're, you're going to be a communications major or something that has to deal with humans, you're probably going to get a little bit more of that. The thing that I found, you know, coming out of the technical side, you know, you get almost none of that, right? And uh, e even like in med med school, you know, my daughter got her doctorate in physical therapy, so she had to do a lot of the med school kind of kind of stuff, and that was a an area that they didn't stress as much as, as they really should have, you know, because you're dealing with patients on a, on a regular basis. So I, I would say we don't do a, a good enough job. We can do better. Um, and, and I think if people take that, if they take that to heart, um, the best, the best way is, you know, leadership is, is not a spectator sport, right? right. You have, you have to go and do that. And you don't have to have a title as a leader. Everyone, has has the ability to lead, uh, regardless of whether it's a designated title or not. And and the best way to learn is by doing and failing. We say you want to fail forward fast, right? So you want to try it. Uh, the key is is to get into a situation where it's not fatal, like where you're trying to lead and it's you're making a determination in that class. I'm going to lead in this class and I'm going to fail the class and I have to take it over and over again. That's not what the message is. The message is is look for opportunities where you can fail in a way uh, that uh, you can take the learning from it and um, where the failure is not, not fatal uh, to your, to your life or your career. Let's talk about your book, ready, set, get hired, correct? Yeah. Um, well, I, I have two books, right? So the first book, particularly let's finish up on the leadership thing. If I can, yes. um, the first, the first book uh, that we did was called the leader of Oz. Mm. Um, we took, we wrote that many years ago. Uh, it's still applicable today. We took the story of the Wizard of Oz and we wrote a story about 
this company in Kansas that gets whisked away and dropped into Silicon Valley, and you have the wicked VP from the East and the wicked VP from the West. Um, it was so much fun to write, um, but we took all of myself and my business partner, Dr. Ali Lakani, took all of the heavy academic stuff that we had learned through doing our doctoral dissertations, uh, and we put it into a book that was fun to read, very, very practical. And if you want to kind of create this highly functional integrated team, uh, you have all the methodologies in that book. So, so I, uh, I highly recommend it. We actually just released it about a year and a half ago on Audible. So if you don't want to read Excellent. it, it's, it's about a three hour, it's about a three hour read. Uh, so that was the first book. And then the last book we released was called Ready, Set, Get Hired. You know, so, um, uh, and what we did is we have a method uh, that I've coached actually um, several high school or college graduates who were looking for positions, but they were not, uh, they got a position, a job, but not what they wanted for their career. And we created this process that used, that uses LinkedIn uh, about how to position yourself so that you can get noticed um, and you can go find, you can go find a job instead of waiting for the job to find you. Um, and in the book, it gives you uh, the whole process. It was actually done by one of my graduate students from Arizona State University. Uh, she got downsized and called me and said, hey, I got downsized. I know you can be a good coach and a mentor for this. Can you help me? And I said, well, I have this method that we use to get clients. I think you could use the same thing to get a job. I will mentor through the whole process with the understanding um, that you write the book when we're done. And if you do that, uh, we're good. So, so she, she said, okay, uh, she kind of got her, she found her Nirvana job. Uh, she's a very senior person. So it took several months to do it. Didn't happen overnight. Um, and then she that's wrote incredible. the book. You helped her identify and find that because that's a scary time. It, it is, particularly when you got, you know, kids and bills and, and you're yes. a single mom at the time. Yeah. So, so anyway, so it, it, it worked, it worked out really, really well. And so we've put all of the process and the scripts of what you actually have to say. So there's, it's all prescriptive rather than descriptive um, of what you can do to, to really find a job u utilizing LinkedIn um, and it, it will work. Well, you have provided a copy of this. We've put it in the notes in the chat here, in the comments. You are allowing anybody to download the copy of this book that's that's a part of this podcast, right? Yes, you can download Ready, Second, Hire. We call it the reviewer copy. Yes. Um, so, uh, and this is, we created the reviewer's copy prior to its launch on on Amazon. Uh, so if, uh, if you, you can download it and read it, and if you have questions on it, there's, you can send a note to me. I'm always glad to talk and help people, uh, you know, find the, the job of their dreams. Uh, and this will give you a, a really good head start. That's a huge value. Capri, I mean, is it hard for you to already picture that finding the dream job when you're knee deep in the middle of college? Or is this something that you're already talking about with your cohorts? Um, well, yes, it's a little scary because I think that change can always be a little scary, even if it is exciting. But at the same time, I think back and I'm like, wow, I'm where future or like past Capri wanted to be. So like what like future Capri will also be able to accomplish those things type of things. Cause I've, you can look back and see like, oh, I've already done this much for myself and all these other people have already done that much for myself. So it's, it's not 
not scary, but I think that it's also very exciting. Yeah, and my, my tip to you, Capri, as well as to anyone else listening is, is don't wait till you graduate, right? That's the key mm-hmm. is, is that you want to start the process probably a year ahead of time. Uh, go find out about, you know, find out the, uh, the companies or the, the, um, uh, the type of industry that you want to be in. You know, make those connections with, with the individuals. Read anything that they post as far as articles uh, or, or whatever. Uh, start writing yourself. Right. That's one of the things that the tips you'll see in Ready, Set, Get Hired is getting published and getting your ideas out there to demonstrate it. I mean, the, the last guy that I had uh, that I had coached, uh, he was out of school for about a year. He was doing a, um, a position where he was a dispatcher, but he really wanted to get in supply chain. So he said, hey, so let's show demonstrate your supply chain now and let's write articles and get you published. And when you send your resume out at the bottom, it says articles by, and then you can list all different articles, basically demonstrate it. Most people don't even recognize how, how easy it is to, to write and get published these days. Yes. Yeah. So, so do that writing, uh, because that's, you know, one thing I know from when we work with different organizations doing hiring, you know, having someone that has kind of all the, the checkoffs and is a published author and they're writing about the kind of stuff that, that you're hiring them for um, pulls you way up in the in the pile of uh, resumes. That's such great advice, and it's so true. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Thank you, because it is so true, and it gives that credibility and shows just where your mind is at and how you're ready for that position. Excellent. Yeah. Can yeah. you and speak I, with us a little bit about Magnum Leadership Solutions as well, and and how you can can be accessible? Sure. Um, yeah, so uh, our company is called Magna Leadership Solutions. You can find us on the web. If you do, if you do a search for us, uh, generally, uh, we get usually end up on the first page somewhere. Uh, and the link Google is in search. the chat. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Amy. Yeah. So what we do is we we have what we call our Leading Forward Academy. Uh, it's a six month program. It's our it's our mainstay of what we provide uh, with myself and my partners. And, and it identifies all of the key areas that you need. Uh, it's, it's only offered, we don't offer what we call open enrollment. It's only offered for intact teams or organizations that want to put their senior leaders through or midline level leaders through. Six month program, we do it virtually. Uh, and we also do it uh, on site, uh, it just depends you know, with regard to availability and, and what's, what's desired by the, by the client. Uh, and, and it covers all the main topics about behaviors, kind of working with different people, uh, critical thinking, uh, leadership, uh, motivating, engaging, communication, uh, understanding values, uh, doing in- integration of, of systems thinking, all of those type of things. We bring them all together in a project based. Um, and, you know, at the end of the at the end of the six six months, the, the students or the participants have worked on a project for the company. So it's not we we don't we say we don't do training. You know, training is a sunk cost. We we do investment, right? We're going to give you the tools. You're going to have to apply them. You're going to have to apply them to something the company's struggling with, so the company gets a, a return on their investment. And if you can do that, generally we found that um, pretty much almost 100% of our our work is all repeat work. You know, we've been doing this for 
couple companies that are six or seven years every year. They just renew us and we do their next batch of leaders and it's, it's fantastic. Excellent. Awesome. That's so great. Capri, you have any last thoughts? Oh, I learned so much. And honestly, it was so just great to see like that there is value in leadership. Cause I feel like so many times people are like, Oh, like leadership, this leadership that and use it as kind of a buzzword. But that the fact that it's like, you can be a leader at any level. And what you said about servant leadership, I really enjoyed because that's kind of what a lot about what I know about. So it's really great to see that like I can actually use these skills that I've been taught and I'm learning to help me succeed in the future. And, and Amy and Capri, can I give you one final tip? Please. That we, that we do in our, in, our leader, in our leadership academy. And it's for something to kind of challenge anyone listening is that, um, Probably one of the biggest challenges that we see today is people are over overwhelmed or overloaded with work, right? There's less people doing more work all the time. And you get to that, that point where you just have more, you know, 50% more, whatever percentage more than, than you can do. And what we find is, as people get more and more proficient in whatever they're doing, they have a tendency to hold on to what they know that they can do well. And when you hold on to that, it doesn't give you that space to, to learn and grow. Mm -hmm. So as a leader, what we what we profess in our model and the, the servant leadership model is, is if you have something um, that could help develop someone else and you're holding on to that, and you're not delegating it or you're not working with them to be able to have them do it. They may not do it initially as good as you can. Ultimately, if they're going to have to do that, the best leaders say, hey, this is something that I'm holding on to that's keeping someone else from developing a leader. That's the only thing you have to think about in, in making a decision whether you keep it or delegate it. And the best leaders delegate it uh, or partner with the individual. Uh, so, so one, they can build them as leaders. And second, it can free up the time for you to go do that next level. But the, most people feel really comfortable. Once they get comfortable, they want to do more and more of that. The problem is, is they will get stagnated. Yes. Uh, and once you, once you maintain that mental mindset of, am I holding someone back by, by doing this myself? The answer is yes. The best leaders bite the bullet and just and delegate it. So true. <laughs> so, so true. Thank you so much. Incredible advice. What a, huge value you've provided for us today, for Capri and myself both. We have learned so much from you and I know that our audience has as well. Thank you for taking the time to bring all your wisdom and experience to us today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for the, the opportunity to, to share and to do it in a very casual way. <laughs> Capri, you want to bring us home? Of course, you know it. Well, this has been such a great episode. I truly feel like I got a better look about how leadership can work for you and what skills that I need to develop just from talking in this short 30 minutes. But thank you so much, Dr. Kevin, for joining us today. And um, yes, everyone go take a look at his book, which he has so graciously shared with us and tell us what you think about it. This has been the Education Career and Beyond podcast, and we'll see y'all next week. All right, bye now. <laughs>